It's Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. Lakers Talk is on the air on 710 ESPN. I like the squad. You got three superstars on the Lakers in LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. And what are they going out and getting right now? Vets. Guys have been in the league for a long time. They have championship experience. They have playoff experience. Isn't that the blueprint of how you win championships? From the home of the 17-time world champion Lakers at LA Live. Isn't that the blueprint of how you... Uh, go about your day and find a way to go get championship number 18. Isn't that the blueprint? Lakers, Lakers talk, talk is, is on. on. Here's Alan Sliwa. All right, let's uh, go out to Solomon and Lake Balboa. Solomon, appreciate you calling in, bud. You're on Lakers Talk. I'm good, Alan. Thanks for having me on. Getting closer. What are we, a week and a half away? Uh, two weeks? So it's coming up here. October 3rd, first preseason game. Looking forward to it, buddy. You got it, man. I'm, I'm getting. I'm excited. Uh, I'm also not threatened. By, I have to keep a straight face. I'm threatened as a Laker fan. Uh, excuse me. How many chips do you have, Mister Bomber? Before you start, you know, ruffling those feathers. Uh, you know, I mean, I understand he's wealthy. He can say and do anything he wants. But you got to first of all, you got to manage your money too. Sports is not all about just having the most money to spend. You got to spend it and manage it properly. And until someone knocks them off the mountain, I think the Lakers rank as, if not the most, one of the most successful sports franchises, not just in this country, in the world. I'm not threatened. Um, I'm, I'm good to go. Mr. Bomber, bring on your Clippers. Appreciate it, Solomon. Appreciate the call. Okay, so 877-710-ESPN. You know, it, it kinda, that kind of leads me to one thing, too. It, it's... Um, I think for me, what it comes down to is this, uh, and I and I've kind of repeated this a couple different times. the The reality here with the Clippers is they're an improving franchise. They obviously have an owner that uh, wants to win. But I just don't understand why. You know, is it really smart to call out the Lakers? Travis and I were having this conversation on Friday. He's like, "No, I kind of like it." You know, I kind of like him saying, "Yep, they're the biggest and the baddest, and that's who we're going after." But why? What's the point? You know what I mean? Like, can't you just say, "Hey, um, we're trying to build our own stadium because it's the right thing to do. Um, we want to make sure that we control all the revenue, all the sponsorships. Um, we're not blocking banners or other teams, any of that. No, no, it's our arena where we get first dibs on everything. We don't have to worry about the times games are going to be played or any of that stuff. We know Lakers have a rich tradition, but it is what it is. We're doing our own thing. I think the if some of those Laker fans feel threatened, that part I don't. That one I don't fully understand. So uh, we don't have to spend uh, uh, too much time uh, specifically on that. But I just I, I find that an interesting conversation to me, specifically because it's not something that that's not how I would look at it as a Laker fan. All right, let's get to our top NBA stories. All right, Funches. So let, let me ask you first: Do you get Bomber's angle there? Do you agree with it? Do you like it? Uh, <sighs> Travis was telling me he likes that. I mean, know, I like he's uh, trying to come out, come out, you know, and try to get come out swinging to, a little. Yeah, bit. yeah. You know, it's like. You know, when you're in jail, you try to go out for the top dog so you can get respect from the, the jailhouse, I guess. I don't know. Like when in those jailhouse movies or whatever. That, that's exactly what Bomber's doing. He's coming for the Lakers. He's coming for the top dog. 
He's coming with more bathrooms than any arena in the in the league. <laughs> he's coming twice with, as many stalls. Yes, as he's coming with auto, you know automated food service. So so there's gonna be no one there at the at the vendors or anything. You just pick you up your food. You basically just order it from your seat, go pick it up, and and go back to your seat. Yeah. Hey, look, I, I'm not gonna question that the arena is not gonna be amazing. I'm not gonna question why he's doing it. I just go back to. Is it necessary to take kind of a shot at the Lakers? And and like I like I said, feeling threatened is when if the Lakers, just hypothetically speaking, if this franchise was going nowhere and you got no stars that are on this team and the Clippers are coming off back to back championships and really are just clear cut the team uh, from a, a success and a productive standpoint. They're, they're built sustainable for the next five to seven years. That's one thing. The Lakers won a championship 11 months ago. Like, what are we talking about here? They're going to be favorites to win it again with Brooklyn. I, I I can't understand that strategy or that thought process when the Lakers are still so incredibly successful. Uh, yeah, it's just... The hell do it's, I know? It's, what the hell do I but know? But you know what, Slee? It's, it's good that the Clippers are going to move on to another another place, man. Because Agreed. I, it just It just kills me that they're both in the same arena. It's going to be good for them, and you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, if they continue to be competitive, it'll be good for the city because it makes for good conversations. Yes. Right, what do we got there? All right, so uh, in the last week, uh, John Wall and Houston have agreed to kind of part ways, but not really. Um, Houston's going to sort of seek out a, a trade, or even if they can't seek a trade out for John Wall or some, a taker. They're going to probably buy him out. And let me just give you some numbers, Alan. Yeah, let's uh, hear John Wall. Sounds like he's on uh, an incredible bargain right now. Yeah, John Wall is due $91.7 million over the next two seasons, including a player option for $47 million just for the 22-23 season. So I don't don't see any... You know, team trying to trade for him, or even John Wall getting out of his player option for forty-seven million dollars for one year. Okay, so I don't know how this is all going to work, but we've seen some crazy trades go down, yeah. right? Like once we see a player, um, yeah. Let, let me use this. I, I got a couple examples here. Whether it's the Chris Paul contract or Russell Westbrook, Russell, just yes, we're going to say Westbrook. Lakers, we, right? we expected, you know, Westbrook came out of left field for all of us, right? Westbrook's been traded a couple times, so I'll just say this: um, never say never. But if you're another team out there and you're going to take on John Wall, I don't know how much he's got left in the tank because of his injuries. So I don't know how productive he can be. I don't know if he can be a big piece to a championship team. I don't know how he could be a big piece to a championship team. If he's due forty-four million dollars next year and forty-seven million dollars the following year, so to answer your question, who's going to take on that contract? Like, how is that possible well, Kendrick, to take on a contract? Well, Kendrick like Perkins that? was on a jump last week and he said three teams should pursue John Wall. I'm John Wall. I'm doing the same thing. I'm trying to go somewhere where I can win, where I can at least have a chance to compete for a title. The problem is, is that he's making a whole lot of letters, but it's a lot of teams. There's three teams out there that I think should really try to pursue John Wall. And that's the 76ers, that's the Clippers, and that's the Pelicans. And it's funny that uh, Perkins said uh, the 76ers. He said he also, over the weekend on Sirius XM, said that the 76ers, Wall in Philly works better than Ben Simmons in Philly, which I found that a lot interesting. Okay, so let me let me say this. Let, let's use the Pelicans as an example. Part of the reason why they didn't re-sign Lonzo Ball is they want Brandon Ingram and Zion to have the ball more. 
okay? Yeah. They want them to be kind of the play creators. So John Wall, what is he for you if he doesn't have the ball in his hands? Let me kind of move on to another team. Let's say the 76ers. So you're going to give up Ben Simmons for John Wall, and you're going to take on that contract. Does that sound like now you're going to get past the Milwaukee Bucks or the Brooklyn Nets? I'm sorry, that ain't happening. So I would rather yeah, keep but, Ben but Simmons. What about the fit, though, uh, Allen? What about the fit, though? John Wall and Embiid, the fit. Not talking about money or whatever. What about the fit? I don't care for it. I really don't. And I, I don't – listen, I don't know how healthy John Wall is. I, I know that, yes, John Wall can – put up some points. He's got the ability to do that. Is John Wall and and, and uh, Joel Embiid getting past Milwaukee or Brooklyn? Like, don't you keep Ben Simmons until you feel like you have that player that, even if it's not, um, you, you want to get proper trade value. You would rather give up Ben Simmons for John Wall? I'd, I'd rather give me a young Ben Simmons um, if it's, you know, if you're Houston, you would love for that to happen. But remember, they almost got James Harden for Ben Simmons. And um, oh, to kind of turn that around now and try to get John Wall, no thank you. And that price tag, no thank you. I, I don't know how this is going to work. But in the NBA, every time you think it's not going to happen, something's not going to happen, it ends up happening. All right, we're going to move on to uh, this date in NBA history. 21 years ago, Patrick Ewing got traded from the New York Knicks to Seattle. <laughs> And uh, it was a four-team, 12-player trade involving Orlando, the Lakers, Seattle, New York. Um, just for, you know, your trivial, you know, thing or whatever, the Lakers got uh, Horace Grant and Chuck Person from that trade. Okay. The Knicks got Glenn Rice and Travis Knight. The Lakers were in the middle of a three-peat, and the Lakers got Horace Grant to help him get that second straight chip, too. So Okay, so this is the only thing that I can remember. When you say that 21 years ago, Patrick Ewing got traded to Seattle from the New York Knicks, only thing I could think of is, what the hell was Patrick do- Patrick Ewing doing in a Seattle Supersonics jersey? So I try to like think here of the most awkward players that ended up getting traded or signed with another team where it just looked so odd. Can I name off a couple? Can I list off ahead, a couple for ahead, you? Man. How about Tony Parker with the Charlotte Hornets? Yes. Do you remember Dominique Wilkins was on the Boston Celtics? And the Clippers, Alan. That's right, and the Clippers. Also, okay. uh, Akeem Olajuwon in Toronto. Akeem Olajuwon, I can't even... I can't even like, that doesn't even register in my head when you say that. How about when Robert Parrish joined the Chicago Bulls? Oh, yes, I know. Okay, yeah. the Ewing the Ewing with the Sonics. Also, didn't he play in Orlando as well? Yeah, yeah, he okay. did. He did. Um, also, um, with Toronto. Jordan with the Wizards. Jordan what with the Wizards, the that's what I'm going to say. Scotty Pippen with the Blazers. Uh, that one, actually, I was okay with that one. How about Allen Iverson when he played for Memphis? Or Denver, yeah. How about Shaq with the Celtics? The hell was he doing there? Yeah. So those are some of the. I'm and still, by the way, if, I'm still if getting you, used to Tom Brady in a Bra- uh, in a Bucks uniform too. I always say every time the Patriots play, I always say Tom Brady. Every time the Bucks play, I never mention Tom Brady. I always forget. I just literally forget. By the way, if you want to go with some Lakers that looked weird in their jerseys, how awkward Steve Nash with the Lakers always looked awkward. Yeah. Especially when all those years with the Phoenix Suns. Um, the Carl Malone, Gary Payton days, those made no sense. Remember Dwayne Wade joined the Cavs for yeah. 15 seconds? Even, even Melo, this upcoming year, oh, yeah, is right. going to look weird in a, a Lakers jersey. That's right. Okay, so 21 years ago, all I remember is Patrick Ewing was wearing a Seattle Supersonics jersey, and none of it made sense. 
What else we got there? All right. Um, this is will be our last one. Aaron Gordon uh, just signed a four-year, $92 million contract extension with the Denver Nuggets. And he will – he averaged 12 points, five rebounds last year. And, you know, this is Denver just doing everything it could to put players around Nokia Jokic, uh, Jamal Murray, also Michael Porter Jr. They're going to be a threat to the Lakers, uh, a b- real threat. Okay. So the deal, um, it's a nine, four-year, $92 million extension. Aaron Gordon, um, you know, remains. Remember, this was part of a trade that they made, Orlando made uh, with Denver uh, during the season. So Remember he was in Orlando and he was their best player, and now he's, he's in Denver. He's going to be he's their, their fourth, probably their fourth, fourth best player. Fifth, fifth, fifth best player, I know. Okay, so, you know, it's interesting here. I really like what the Denver Nuggets have done. You know, quietly, quietly, the Denver Nuggets just continue to build. Aaron Gordon's 26 years old. Jokic is obviously young. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is incredibly young and incredibly talented. Jamal Murray will come back at some point this upcoming season. I I don't – let me say this. I think they're a threat. I don't think they're a threat to the Lakers yet. But you start looking at the teams with the most promise over the next three to five years in the Western Conference – you cannot have a conversation without putting the Denver Nuggets on that list. Um, what they're doing, what they've built, and I think it's so smart for them to go even go get a guy like Aaron Gordon. By the way, uh, he's young enough. Let's just say Funches. He doesn't work out. He's not the right player for this team. You got him. He's an asset. You can go trade him for something else. So I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of this deal. Um, but I'm really more of a fan of just what the Denver Nuggets are building. So that will actually bring us up to uh, to our next topic. So I, I want to do this when we come back. couple things I want to do. Um, the Lakers' three biggest threats this upcoming season are the Denver Nuggets one of those teams. We know Brooklyn's obviously one of those teams, so we'll talk about some of the different threats. And I thought I got some interesting sound from Shaquille O'Neal, who was on – uh, with Stephen A. Smith on first take on championship or bust for the upcoming season with the Lakers. So we'll do all that coming up next. If you want to be a part of the show, 877-710-ESPN. This is Lakers Talk on ESPN LA. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I appreciate you guys uh, being a part of the show, whether you're listening live or on the ESPN app podcast does fantastic always appreciate people taking some time and uh joining the podcast you could always search the show lakers talk with alan slee with a full two hours i'm back on tomorrow morning with travis rogers starting at 9 55 we'll do our show till one o'clock so obviously a busy week um you know I, I i mentioned this about the biggest threats to the lakers this upcoming season and we we're just talking about aaron gordon uh signing that deal with the denver nuggets i i i you guys have heard me say this before. Brooklyn's the threat. That's the threat. Let's let's no conversation to be had. The Los Angeles Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets should be the two teams that are in the NBA Finals. And the only reason why that doesn't happen is if something unfortunately happens with those teams from an injury perspective. But talent-wise, nobody's expecting the Lakers 
Um, you know, obviously not in the NBA Finals. And the same thing with the Brooklyn Nets. You got three stars from the Los Angeles Lakers, which is LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and new addition to Russell Westbrook, Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. Role players, veterans, everything you need. Both teams have it. They're stacked. That that should obviously be uh, the NBA Finals. So uh, the Lakers, the biggest threat is the Brooklyn Nets. I want to throw out a couple teams here because Denver, I think, is interesting. I really do. I think they're they're genuinely interesting to me. I don't know if it's their time yet, but if it's not now, it's pretty damn close. And I would not be surprised that we're talking about the Denver Nuggets over the next you know two three years that they're not just in the Western Conference Finals, but they're a legit threat to make it to the NBA Finals. That's what they're building over there. Um, you know, Jamal Murray at some point will be back. Jokic is an MVP and just plays phenomenal basketball. Um, uh, you know, the, the Aaron Gordon piece is a piece where he's not asked to be the best player or the second best player or the third best player. He's really the fourth best player because Michael Porter Jr. is a fantastic player. I just don't think they're there yet. I think the Clippers still will be a threat next year. I think they'll be good enough to hang around, they'll fight, and then at some point their hope is, and really fortunately for them, and, and you know, you never want to see somebody go down with an injury, Kawhi could come back maybe in April, and, and you know, obviously that team will try to make some noise. Mavs with Luka, just not enough. The Golden State Warriors um, will always be a threat to the Lakers uh, simply because if their players are back and it's Draymond, Steph, and uh, and Clay Thompson, and they go out and trade, use some of their assets that they have to go out and get another piece, that could be a really nice team. I think the teams in the Eastern Conference, to me, are the ones that are the biggest threats. Milwaukee's a threat. Brooklyn's a threat. And I put the Golden State Warriors as the other team, to me, in the Western Conference that's a threat for the Lakers. I don't really look at Phoenix, and I don't really look at Utah the way maybe other people do. I just don't. Um, Ramona Shelburne was nice enough to join, and we were talking about the Lakers' last playoff run, uh, both of us. And I think many people out there thought, look, the Lakers were going to beat the Suns if AD was healthy. He just wasn't healthy. Um, And that's not taking any credit away from the Phoenix Suns, but that's just kind of the reality of the situation. Uh, Take a listen here. This is Shaq on a championship or bust season for the Lakers. He's kind of taken some verbiage here. Carmelo Anthony joined Stephen A. Smith on first take. Shaq was on first take as well. The great Carmelo Anthony was absolutely correct. I have no rebuttal. I have nothing to say. He's absolutely correct. Uh, You know, a lot of people always talk about age, but when you show me a young team that's dominated, listen, young teams always make noise, but when they get to to the playoffs, what do you always say? Oh, they don't have enough experience. When it comes to the most experience, the Brooklyn Nets and the Lakers have the most experience when it comes to age. I'm not worried about all that young talk. Listen, the game is different now anyway. Everybody's just picking and popping anyway. So, you know, whoever plays the hardest is, you know, the team that, that, that's, you know, going to make it. If both teams stay healthy, I would like to see those teams in the finals. But I like Carmelo. He was raised by us. West, Westbrook was raised by us. LeBron was raised by us. So, you know, when they get angry, they play very well. So now they're angry. Everybody's doubting them. They built this little super team. Carmelo Anthony is correct. It's championship or bust. So that one is, uh, by the way, Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, Got to love Shaq. Obviously everything he does on inside the NBA on TNT. Um, but I, I think, you know, from, from that perspective, that's as simple as it goes for the Lakers this year. It really is. And I, and I keep putting Brooklyn in the same category because if – Next season ends and the Lakers don't have championship number 18. It's going to be a failed season. 
if next year ends and the Brooklyn Nets don't have an NBA championship for them, it will be a failed season. Those are, in my opinion, um, I guess you could say also, you know, for the Milwaukee Bucks, if they don't win an NBA championship, coming off a championship, if they don't win, it would be a failed season for them as well because they've already won one. But no one will expect the Bucks to beat the Brooklyn Nets if the Brooklyn Nets are healthy. No one will expect anyone to beat the Lakers in the Western Conference. Can things change? Can trades go down? Absolutely. Um, but I, I like something that Shaq was saying there about the, you know, the the age thing. And I'm, I'm going to play something from Carmelo Anthony here in just a second as well. But I like what he's saying from an age perspective that that's not actually. Uh, that's not that should not be considered a downside for the Lakers. That should be considered a strength of the Lakers. That the Lakers, from that perspective alone, that should be an advantage that people talk about rather than a disadvantage. But most of the time, that's not the case. Everybody talks about the Lakers more from a disadvantage perspective. I'm going to read something off here from um, Carmelo Anthony, and then I'm going to play something from uh, from Wayne Ellington. So for Carmelo... Funch, we don't have the Carmelo sound, right? No, we don't. It's just a quote. Okay, so let me read this off. This is from the Ebony Magazine on the Lakers' age. He says, it's like you go to an Italian restaurant. You got the grandmother in there who's 900 years old cooking the food. The food comes out amazing, though. You're not going to say... She's too old to be cooking. You're not going to taste and enjoy that food. It's the same situation with us. We're the cooks in the kitchen. When you taste the food, you're going to love the food. That's how I look at it. Um, you know, we've had plenty of conversation about the Lakers vets and the age and everything. Is it too much of a big deal? So forth and so forth. Yeah, I think it's blown out of proportion, but it's not going to go anywhere until the Lakers start playing and start proving that, no, this age that they have, the vets that they have is actually an advantage, not a disadvantage. Take a quick listen here. I want to also play Wayne, Wayne Ellington, uh, new Los Angeles Laker. Laker for the second time um, was on the Noble Roosh podcast talking about the Lakers age. We have one of the older rosters, so I think um, guys being able to be mature about about that. You know, we all understand everybody's not going to be able to play 30 minutes a game. Um, so uh, there's going to be sacrifice. There's going to be some sacrifice that's going to be needed to be made. Um, and I think that's part of the understanding. Um, we're also understanding that uh, with the older roster, guys aren't going to be able to play it. Guys aren't going to play every single game. You know, I think you're going to see sometimes guys – Guys get some rest days and other guys, and that's when uh, the next man mentality uh, comes into play. All right, so this also plays last week. I was commenting on Kendrick Perkins, who was on the jump, and he was talking about Lakers. You know, they might have a damn near chance of getting close to 70 wins. I don't think that will be the Lakers' strategy. I don't think it would be smart if it was the strategy. Um, they got a lot of age, but I, I feel like because a lot of these players that they have who are older, they're not going to be depending on to play fifth or other than 10 to 20 minutes a game. I think that will um, that will help the Lakers, not hurt the Lakers. So the age part of it, not too big of a deal. Shaq saying it's championship or bust. No question about it. I don't think anybody would argue with that uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, so while we started doing the show, um, the Lakers landed a new jersey patch deal. And this I, I, I want to spend uh, a few minutes talking about because th- there's something about Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, here we sit here in Los Angeles. I obviously do the show for LA. A lot of the phone calls that we get are fans who are calling in from Los Angeles. But this is a perfect, perfect reminder of the global brand that the Lakers are. 
Um, New Jersey patch deal for the Lakers. I'll tell you who it is when we come back. You may be familiar with it. You may not be familiar with it, but this just shows the international power that the Lakers have. We'll do that coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, another half hour to go here. So there was, it was kind of an interesting day. Uh, last week, um, Lakers Public Relations, unfortunately I couldn't be there. Uh, they were doing this event um, announcing their jersey patch deal with a company and that was going to go on, I think it was at 6.30 down in El Segundo at the Lakers practice facility. So, unfortunately, obviously, we got Lakers talk, so we're doing this till 9 o'clock. Um, so, I, I want to go off of what's uh, gone on. This actually all went down as the show was progressing. So, Lakers land. A This is from Bill Shaken of the LA Times, a fantastic writer there. Lakers land $100 million jersey patch deal with Korean food maker Bibigo. So for those who don't know what Bibigo is, it's a South Korean line of dumplings, sauces, and frozen meals. Five-year agreement, like I mentioned. NBA jersey patch deals have sold for an average range of $7 million to $10 million per year, according to The Athletic. Obviously, the Lakers, um, this is a $20 million a year deal to have their logo on the Los Angeles Lakers jersey. A lot of these jerseys you could start seeing now on Twitter and so forth. Um yeah, th- this is a perfect example of the Lakers brand. It's a perfect example. So uh, for those, and there's probably a lot of people who listen to me here on the podcast or live that maybe didn't even know I did the show in LA. Um, years ago, I was doing uh, a Lakers talk show on YouTube as well. And that's a perfect example of the Lakers brand. When I tell you, literally, you have people tuning in from all different parts of the world, Um a very small percentage of that is because it's me. It's because I'm talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. So you're going to have people in the Middle East, in Europe, in Asia, in uh, Australia, all different, literally different parts, not just of Los Angeles, not just California, not just the United States of America, literally the world. And this is a fantastic example of what the brand is. Remember, the patch used to be Wish, so now here's another brand um, you know, an international brand, South Korea is the brand. And I, the reason why I bring this up is, um, it's one of those things where you try to see, uh, are the Lakers or are other teams, what they're doing? Like, let's use the patches as an example. I think, and I want to make sure on this one, but I'm almost hundred percent sure FedEx is based in Memphis. They're the official sponsor of the Memphis Grizzlies. Makes a ton of sense, right? It, usually, you have a local team that's based there or a local uh, corporation that's based there, and that kind of determines who ends up being that local sponsor. Uh, Blue Diamond is based in Sacramento. They're the um, the key sponsor for the Sacramento Kings. Walt Disney World, obviously based in uh, in Orlando. They're the key sponsor of the Orlando match. Kind of keep going down that list. For the Lakers, 
it's just a different it, it's a different gorilla. It's a different you know when I read this today and I, we knew that you know that there was a brand that was going to be a part of this uh, this jersey deal. I just didn't know which brand. I had a lot of curiosity. I'm like, will this be a local brand? Will be, but it makes a ton of sense that it's an international brand. And like I said, Bill Shank had reporting that it's a hundred million dollar jersey patch deal with uh, the Korean food maker Bibigo. Um Funches, did you get a chance to see this on Instagram uh, over? I want to say it was on Friday. Did you see Dennis Schroeder uh, post a, a vid or a, a picture of himself? Uh, kind of, uh, in a sense, I'll, I'll read exactly what he says. I'm only going to do this one time. Insert your best. Fumbled the bag joke here. It's my birthday, so let's get this over with and get back to business. Did you uh, Did you see that? Uh, I saw post? that. I saw that and had a good laugh. Well, I is it. Is it weird that I really like his him kind of making some light of turning down the four years eighty four million and then not even getting one year six million with yeah, the Boston Celtics? Yeah, like this, I, I like it's coming from him. Yeah, where was that sense of humor last year, Dennis? <laughs> well, I think he's been humbled. Let's just put it that way. He's probably been humbled, but I, I I do like it, and I'll kind of explain what I'm referring to here. This dude got demolished all off season. All off season, as much as you want to talk about guys who got paid, hey, Alex Caruso got a nice contract. Wow, Lonzo Ball got seventy million. Uh, Chris Paul's ridiculous, um, his contract, his re-upping with the Phoenix Suns, uh, and naming off a couple of these point guards. Tht even got some money. You know, he's a young player. Dennis Schroeder could not find a taker. Could not find a taker. And whether it was Laker fans or just people who are NBA fans who just kind of continued to have the conversation about Dennis Schroeder and about how he fumbled this and about how he screwed up. Um, I'm a fan of somebody taking a situation that, uh, you know, obviously is incredibly, incredibly tough for him specifically and make it some light of it. I thought I thought he did a good job at that. I really did. I think I think people probably walk away saying, "All right, you know what? I'm more of a Dennis Schroeder fan today than I was uh, 48 hours ago, 72 hours ago, whatever it was." Yeah, I hope he does well in Boston. I think he will do well in Boston. So I I actually I like his predicament. I like I like where he's at. I actually think he could do really well in Boston, and we'll see if that you know brings up any of his value. I don't back. know how well Boston's going to do next year, but I I think he will do well in Boston. Yeah, um, yeah, they're not going to be, you know, they'll they have their they have their ceiling, and that's that's for sure. I mean, as great as Tatum is, and as great as Jalen Brown is, they definitely have their ceiling. Okay, did did you see this by the way? Um, this is another Laker topic that I want to get into, and in just a few minutes, um, I, I got an Anthony Davis uh, Anthony Davis uh, topic that I want to get into as well. I saw this. I, I brought up Shaq a little bit earlier about how the Lakers it's championship or bust. So Shaq was on a podcast. Gotta love Shaquille O'Neal. He was on a Brandon Scoop B. Robinson's podcast. Okay, and Shaq was talking about playing um, against the O2 in the O2 Finals against the Nets. This is his exact quote about back in the day playing for the Lakers and specifically playing against the Nets. And if you remember, that was the year the Lakers beat the Sacramento Kings in seven games and then had the uh, the New Jersey Nets at the time in the NBA Finals. He says it was boring. I actually got mad when we were playing Jersey, playing in Jersey. You think Todd McCullough is going to stop me at the crib <laughs> in Jersey in front of my grandpa and grandma? Um, no, stop it. 
Um, you know, it's funny. I, I look back. I kind of look back. Every time you get a Shaq quote or somebody in that era talks about the Shaq and Kobe days, I kind of think Funches. I, I look back at that. I, I say to myself, I'm like, how many championships did Kobe and Shaq win together? Three? Yeah. That's it? Like, just think about that. After the Lakers won three championships in a row, that that was going to be it for Kobe and Shaq. Um, that was all that they were going to win in a row. If you look back and kind of try to determine in the Shaq and Kobe era, what was the right – like, they played eight years together, and they should have played ten years together minimum, right? Like, if they if they were yeah. able to kind you, of put their differences you aside. You don't really count those first couple years without Phil Jackson and Adele Harris, though, right? I think you have to. I, I agree with you that once Phil came, everything changed. But who knows? Maybe losing in the playoffs, maybe going through some of that. You know, they always say you got to lose together before you win together. That's kind of a natural progression in sports. Typically, that's a natural progression. So I, I, I do count those years. But if I if I'd have told you that after the Lakers just ran through everybody, they beat the Sacramento Kings. They eventually beat the Sacramento Kings in seven. They didn't run through them, but they ran through pretty much NBA NBA Finals series that they had when they were winning championships. That that was going to be it. They'd never win another championship again. Doesn't that just sound weird? Sounds, that, sounds doesn't really it, weird. Doesn't it sound weird that you know Kareem and and uh, Magic were able to win five championships together? Doesn't that sound Lakers? If those two guys should have played at least ten years together and five year five championships together, that's probably the right number. You know what I mean? Like three will never be fulfilling because of those two and how dominating they were. It, but I it, thought. It could have been four in a row, though, uh, Alan. You know, if, that. If, if Carmelo didn't get injured, I mean, a lot of people point to Carmelo's injury as that's the reason why the Lakers lost their finals to the Pistons. Okay, so remember they lost a year in between there. That's when they lost to the Spurs. Um, there was a year in between before the Carmelo year. But I no, listen, I get it, I understand it. But how funny is that? Shaq just pretty much uh, puts the uh, puts that that series against the Nets. He just quotes it as. Eh, it was just boring. Okay, this is what I want to do when we come back. Anthony Davis, is he a top five prospect or a top five player? Richard Jefferson gave his thoughts on that. He did that last week. We'll play it when we come back. If you want to be a part of the show, 877-710-ESPN. Is Anthony Davis a top five prospect or is he a top five player in the NBA? We'll do that coming up next. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right, if you miss any part of the show, ESPN app or on iTunes, just search Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. Grab the full two hours, 7.30. Ramona Shelburne hopped on, and she was fantastic as always. Uh, talked a little bit about her interview with Steve Ballmer. Talked a little bit about Anthony Davis. And I want to play a clip here real quick. I want to give my reaction to it. So this came up last week. I kind of find this fascinating. I really do. There's certain things that I think make for interesting conversations. Richard Jefferson on the No Chill podcast with Gilbert Arenas talking about Anthony Davis. But no one calls him a top five player. They call him a top five talent. Yeah, a top yeah, yeah, five yeah. talent is the one of the most disrespectful things. The reason why I call you a top five talent and not a top five player is because top five players do it every mm-hmm. single night. And they impact the game, not just with their numbers at the end of the game. They impact their game when you're like, dude, that dude was a monster. Mm-hmm. That's what top five, Giannis, Steph, Braun, James, mm-hmm. KD. That's what those dudes do. Okay, that's Richard Jefferson right there. First of all, let, let's not make it sound like when he says, do you know how disrespectful? It's not that disrespectful. Look at the names that he just mentioned. He mentioned Giannis. He mentioned LeBron. 
He mentioned Kevin Durant, James Harden, Steph Curry. I don't know if he mentioned Luka, but Luka would be in that conversation. We're not talking about Anthony Davis being 35th on the list. If the guy – you're not making a list with Anthony Davis past top 10. You're just not. And you really shouldn't be making a list with Anthony Davis Davis past 7 or 8. So I don't think it's that disrespectful to say that he's a top 5 talent, not a top 5 player. I think that's the reality of the situation. The reality is with Anthony Davis and um, his contributions with the Lakers, first of all, in that championship run that the Lakers had still less than a year, a year ago, and today is the anniversary of Anthony Davis hitting that game winner against the Denver Nuggets. We all know that. If you saw that on Twitter a year ago today, he put the Lakers up 2 to nothing, and eventually they win the Western Conference Finals and go on to win the NBA Finals. Anthony Davis in the uh, in that finals run, the, the uh, playoff run in the bubble in Orlando, um, 27.7 points per game, 9.7 rebounds, one and a half blocks. Um, he was a top five player in the NBA during that playoff run. Now the question is, is Anthony Davis a top five player in the NBA today, period? Just, just look at the entire scope of the NBA I have my own definition of what I think a top five uh, player in the NBA is. All right. So um, first of all, usually, typically, more times than not, that player is the best player on that team. So if you're a top five player in the league, you're the best player on your own team. Katie's the best player on the Brooklyn Nets. LeBron's the best player for the Lakers. Steph Curry, go down the list. Luka, Giannis, those are the best players on that team. Another characteristic, in my opinion, that is incredibly important when it comes to top five player in the league. Is he somebody that is multifaceted? Does that player have the ability to not just put the ball in the hoop, but can he dish out double-digit assists on a night-in-night-out basis? Or is he grabbing 10 or 11 rebounds a game? Or, like Anthony Davis's case, he will shut you down on the defensive side, on the other end of the floor, and can win a game on the defensive side and still put up 25, 30 points, 35 points, 40 points, just depends on the given night. What hurts Anthony Davis in the conversation about top five player, and I think Richard Jefferson mentioned it there, um, there's two things. There's the availability. Are you available every single night? I think AD has most definitely ran into predicaments and situations where health is obviously, uh, he's had some bad luck. And, uh, you know, there's some players that are going to be more injury prone. I can't stand, I can't tell you how much I can't stand when people try to, you know, make a claim. Well, his pain threshold, how do you know somebody else's pain threshold? AD couldn't go in the playoffs. That's why he didn't play in the playoffs after that third game against the Phoenix Suns. He tried coming back in game six. The series was already over because AD couldn't go. Um, But the availability part, that's a big part. Did you play 85 to 90% of the games during the season? That's a big factor. You know, Ramona, when she was on a little bit earlier, I thought she had some excellent points too. You know, a couple of the points that she mentioned was specifically on – um, on on LeBron James, on a night-in-night-out basis, he's there. He looked like an MVP player this past season before he got injured. Uh, you know the impact that he has when he's on the floor. You know how he affects every other player. Anthony Davis, his lack of availability 
has hurt him in saying that that's a guaranteed lock top five player in the NBA. There's a There was a call earlier in the show as well talking about trying to make a comp with Joel Embiid. He compared AD and Joel Embiid kind of those are similar players. That's a good comp to have. This is where I disagree. Anthony Davis is the second best player on this Lakers team. Joel Embiid is the best player on the Philadelphia 76ers. If you took Joel Embiid and added, you removed Ben Simmons and you put LeBron James there, Joel Embiid's going to have, you know, I can only imagine what his productivity is going to be because he's on, he's with playing with another amazing player. And now you have a dominant force down low like Anthony Davis is. Um, and, and LeBron James, uh, you know, obviously playing by side, playing by his side. So I, I don't know if that's the perfect comp. To answer my own question that I threw out there to Laker listeners, and you know, as we get closer to the end of the show, and we won't have the ability to take any more calls, but you could hit me up on Twitter at Alan Sliwa. If I think Anthony Davis is a top five player and not a top five talent, or a top five talent, not a top five player, I agree with Richard Jefferson. I think it's a fair point. I think the point that he's trying to make makes sense to me. I get his angle and I understand his angle. Um, But I I don't think the Lakers, this upcoming season, in order to win a championship against specifically the Brooklyn Nets, AD will have to be a top five player. Period. I don't think there's, you know, really any other way to put it. I think the biggest advantage that the Lakers have against Brooklyn is going to be that they have Anthony Davis. That AD at times will... Um, will go try to guard Kevin Durant and that Kevin Durant won't be able to guard him. Now, I'm not telling you that AD is going to lock down KD because nobody in the NBA has um, has have, has been able to do that, but that's how versatile of a player that Anthony Davis is. I, I was reading an article, and I know Funches uh, sent me this uh, earlier in the day about the Lakers potentially – um, AD playing more of the five this upcoming year, LeBron playing more of the four. I never paid too much attention. I, I think actually that blown out of proportion a little bit when the Lakers, we talk about Anthony Davis, oh, he's got to play the five. That's the only way the Lakers can win a championship. AD plays, I think it's blown out of proportion. He will play the five when he needs to. When they're playing the Brooklyn Nets or they're playing the Milwaukee Bucks or they're playing the Denver Nuggets and it's playoff time, AD's going to play the five if you need him to play the five. Does he have to play the five? Um, in game 44 of the season against the Sacramento Kings? No, I don't think he does. And I think through the grind of an 82-game schedule, I don't think it has to be that much of a priority. You can pick and choose when to do it. You can say, hey, this is an important game. We need him to play the five more. I think those predicaments and those situations are fine. But on a game-to-game basis, I genuinely don't think it's that big of a deal. But against the Brooklyn Nets, and as we kind of sit here and we talk about, is Anthony Davis a top five player? At the moment, I don't think he is. But as I say that, when I say I don't think he is, um, I think there's going to be certain times this year as he's 28 years old, as he's walking into the prime of his career, as LeBron James turns 37. Yeah, you might need that top five player um, in the NBA to be one of the top five players to be Anthony Davis. But specifically, if you're playing the Brooklyn Nets, AD's got to be one of the best players, obviously, in the world. And in order to win a championship this year, I, th- I still think he's the most important player, and I'll kind of continue to uh, preach that until we get to the season starting. And it starts in a couple weeks against the Brooklyn Nets. All right, appreciate everybody that was a part of the show. Thank you to Steve Paulette. Thank you to Michael Funches. Miss any part of the show, Ramona Shelburne was on. Um, in the first hour, you can catch that interview as well. All of that on the 
uh, Lakers Talk podcast, which you can catch on the ESPN app or on iTunes. Just a reminder, back on tomorrow with Travis Rogers at 9.55. L.A., have a great rest of your night.